This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Around 38% of American workers have a boss that's younger than them. That's a number that's going up. It can be intimidating to older employees in spite of the fact that more companies are hiring people with longer work experiences. Perhaps the old adage, with age comes wisdom, does have an important meaning in the business world as well as in society. Our next guest, Chip Conley, has some advice for older workers. Instead of looking back at what has been, he wants them to look forward to what will be. Chip Conley has been a very successful, uh, has had a very successful career in the business world. After starting a boutique hotel company he later sold, he was hired by the founders of Airbnb when he was in his 50s to be head of global hospitality and strategy, and he's still the company's strategic advisor for hospitality and leadership. And Chip is the author of the book Wisdom at Work, The Making of the Modern Elder, and it's a pleasure to have him joining us right now. Chip, welcome. Dan, I'm honored to be with you early on the West Coast. <laughs> that's that's all right. So you've got, you've got that, that that first cup of coffee in the mix, and you're ready to roll then today, I right? I do, and I'm actually at Airbnb headquarters, where it's you know a little bit quiet right now, but uh, great great to be uh, on the phone with you. Well, thank you. Um, I mentioned the aspect of older meaning wiser. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that pretty much the, the the norm that is thought of right now? You know, here's the the thing that's interesting is there have been a number of studies on this, and they've shown very little correlation between age and wisdom. I know that's hard. <laughs> As a 50, this guy is turning 58 this month, um, it's sort of hard to hear that. But there's, there is some evidence that shows that it, it, it is not necessarily um, a correlation. What is correlated is for people who actually make sense of their life and their mistakes and their you know experiences along the way, if you have a process for doing that, then age actually is correlated with wisdom because you create a pattern recognition. Um, so wisdom okay. is really about being able to sort of see the patterns in things faster than when you're younger because you've seen a lot of patterns and you've seen the re- you know what what are the implications or results of certain things. And so, yes, I, I think that you, wisdom can be correlated, but it, it, it isn't necessarily correlated. So just because you're older doesn't mean you're an elder, so to speak. So then wh- where do you fit into that with, with your experience uh, of going to Airbnb in your 50s? Yeah, so it's interesting. The story is this. I, you know, for 24 years, as you mentioned, I was the founder and CEO of a company called Joie de Vivre, based in San Francisco, created 52 boutique hotels. We were the second largest boutique hotelier. In the Great Recession, I decided to sell the company. I just I had been doing it for a long time. I was ready to move on, and then I spent a couple of years just sort of thinking what was next. There's a great Robert De Niro quote from the movie, the movie The Intern, which is uh, musicians don't retire; they quit when there's no more music left inside of them. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so I knew I had music inside of me. I just wasn't sure who to share it with, and I was lucky enough that Brian Chesky, uh, the CEO of Airbnb, asked me to be uh, his in-house mentor and then come in as the head of global hospitality and strategy, which was supposed to be a part-time job, but quickly became full-time. And I, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, finish up. Well, I would just say that I think the thing that was interesting about the partnership that Brian and I have forged over five and a half years now is that, um, you know, we often think of the traditional elder as having all that wisdom and then being held in reverence. And I actually think the modern elder is instead uh, appreciated for their relevance, not their reverence, because they're as much of an intern as they are a mentor. And that's what I learned. I have this mutual mentorship relationship with Brian, and we really learn from each other. You know, it's funny. As I was prepping this over the weekend, as soon as I started digging into this more, 
I was thinking of the movie The Intern, which I've seen <laughs> on several occasions, and, and yeah. it is it really is a little bit of a microcosm of what's going on in the business world right now, where we are seeing, in many cases, older people fitting in at a variety of different roles yeah. within the niche of a company. You know, here's, the, here's the, the reality of the situation, and it's been written a lot about, and there's empirical evidence to show it now. Power is actually moving younger in the business world and in organizations because of our increasing reliance on DQ or digital intelligence. In fact, in some studies, it shows that power is 10 years younger today than it was um, you know, uh, something like 20 years ago. But we're all living 10 years older. So if power is moving 10 years younger and we're living 20, uh, 10 years older, society has created a new 20-year irrelevancy gap for people in midlife and beyond. Yeah. So what does that mean? It, it doesn't mean, you know, there's a social justice piece to this of like, how do we help, you know, older people still have some relevance? But the bigger question, I think, that, that really um, helped make my experience here at Airbnb successful, I guess, was that I saw that, you know, we expect these young digital leaders to somehow miraculously embody the relationship wisdoms and leadership skills <clears throat> that we older workers have had decades to learn. So I started to realize that there's some things they could teach me, like digital intelligence, and there's some things I could teach them, which is like emotional intelligence, leadership skills, strategic thinking, etc. Right. And that's, that's, to me, the opportunity, is how do we uh, create an intergenerational collaboration like we've never seen before, because we have five generations in the workplace at the same time for the first time. Which is unique because realistically, we may not have had that if we had not had the recession and a lot of people that were on the back end of their careers right. lost lost a lot of finance, a lot of lost their retirement savings, and they decided, well, you know what, I got to work ten years longer just to earn some of that back. That is so true, and 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 yet, how bewildering and anxiety-producing it yes. is to know that if you're in your fifties or sixties and you're going to have to work longer, you feel like you're invisible or irrelevant, and yeah. that's really part of what the book was about. Writing wisdom at work, the making of a modern elder, was my way of trying to give back to my generation to say, listen, you still you can mine your mastery, and while you may not be. Um, running the company, or, or you know, you you certainly can be an ally to a younger person as long as we figure out how to create the you know a fluency where we can learn learn from each other. But that being said, there's there's probably some elements of this that. that can work for the younger generations and kind of prepare okay. them for that that midlife period, which, as you uh, just alluded to, has gotten longer in the last decade or so. Yeah, you know, midlife, if, here's the funny, inter- I mean, it's not funny, it's sort of sad, actually. Um, it, the, the part that's good is that um, the average longevity in the United States in the year 1900 was 47. A hundred years later, in 2000, it was 77. So we added yeah. 30 years of life in one century. But what that created was something that really didn't exist before in the form it is today, which is midlife, which is why in 1965, the term midlife crisis uh, sort of emerged. And the fact is, at that time, midlife was perceived as 45 to 65 or 40 to 60. And today, I I think it's 35 to 75 because people are going to work longer and people start feeling irrelevant earlier. What that means is there's this period of life, you know, in you know 35 to 75, where people are having to remake themselves, reinvent themselves, and repurpose themselves in ways that they didn't have to in the past because things are changing so quickly. And this is part of the reason we created a, a modern elder academy down in Mexico on three acres on a beach, where we actually bring people in midlife down, and they uh, it's a social enterprise, so half the people are on scholarship. 
And the intent is to bring people for weekly programs where people in midlife can actually learn a core curriculum that helps them repurpose themselves and mine their mastery to figure out how to how to actually make themselves relevant um, for the second half of their life. We're talking with uh, Chip Conley, who is the author of the book Wisdom at Work, The Making of the Modern Elder. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. If you're not able to get your phone, you can shoot us a message on Twitter at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21. You know, there's a couple points I, that are mentioned in the book that I wanted to bring up. One being the fact that we are in this digital age right now, and, and so much is focusing now on AI and, and uh, you know, our, our love of smartphones and, and big data that is out there, uh, that realistically wisdom itself is something that will be here forever in, in infinity, and you really can't automate that. You can't turn that yeah. into big data. Funny you say this, Dan, because I, there's a, a, a term that we're all familiar with called knowledge worker, and it's a term that actually I'm, I was born in 1960, and Peter Drucker came up with that term in 1959 in, in advance of really the computer age, and he said we're all going to be knowledge workers someday. Well, actually, my premise is at this point is I actually think knowledge worker is a term to retire now because knowledge is in the computer, it's in the cloud, it's the knowledge you can get out there and find knowledge, and in fact, we're sort of a wash in knowledge. Right. But what we could use a little more is the wisdom, which and wisdom is not a plus 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 equation like knowledge is. You just add but wisdom is a, is more of a division equation. You distill the essence of something to what's important, and then that's what's valuable. So I, I really think that uh, we should change the term knowledge worker and replace it with wisdom worker because mm-hmm. it, wisdom includes a certain amount of intuitive and human quality that you don't necessarily get from AI or from your computer. So I, I do feel like the idea of wisdom making a comeback today in a time when we're so technologically advanced uh, is not that surprising. And it's not just, you know, the the publicly traded Fortune 500 company that's out there. It's not just the startup. I, I remember a couple of years ago on this show, we were talking about uh, executives that were leaving the C-suite because they wanted a change, but they also wanted to go to nonprofits as well to be yeah. able to help that aspect of, of our society. Yeah, you know, uh, um, there's an organization called Encore.org that specializes in that. It helps take people in midlife or later life who've been successful or just are tired of what they're doing and, uh, in, in, you know, helps to install them in social enterprises and nonprofits uh, to use their expertise. Yeah, I mean, the, anybody who thinks the, <clears throat> the three-tier, the three-stage life of the past, which is you learn till you're 25, you earn till you're 65, and then you retire till you die, that model is evaporating, <laughs> right. which basically means that, you know, we're lifelong learners. Uh, it's part of the reason people listen to your show. Uh, and there's an element of having to do that reinvention or that rewiring in midlife. And, and that's really what my book's about. It's helping people to understand what's the process of doing that. And it's not easy because it requires you to sort of shift out of some of your habits and your mindsets that you you know you've held on to for a long time. How do you think then the, those types of relationships uh, between older workers and, and, and younger workers? How do you think they end up impacting both the younger worker, but also the company in general? And maybe this is something that we're really going to start to get a handle on in the next few years because this is still a, kind of a relatively new idea. 
It is a new idea. <clears throat> Let's be honest. And, and you know, the fact that almost 40% of workers have a uh, boss younger than them, that number actually by the time 2025 is going to actually be the majority. The majority of workers will have a younger boss by seven, six or seven years from now. That's a fascinating statistic. Yeah. That's, we didn't have that before. And, and it's partly because there's going to be a, a growing number of people. It's not just because the power is moving to the young. It's because there's a lot of people who are going to be working in their 60s and, and frankly, in their 70s. Um, so what does that mean? It means that we need to start asking ourselves, how do we create a generational potluck, an intergenerational potluck? So people bring what they know best. Um, the thing that we do uh, you know, in our modern elder academy down in, in Mexico is we help people to understand what is it that you have to offer? I think when I joined Airbnb, I had been brought in because I was a seasoned expert in my field, which was boutique hotels and, and hospitality and, and frankly, the travel industry. And when I joined five and a half years ago, Airbnb was a very small company. And there was not one person in the company who had a travel industry or hospitality industry background, even though right. Airbnb was fast growing. So I was brought in initially because of that knowledge. And that was helpful. And a lot of my networking of people I knew helped. Sure. But ultimately, what I think I was able to offer them was this sense of like emotional intelligence. And like, how do you understand people? And as they said to me, a lot of your fact knowledge chip doesn't matter here at Airbnb because how many rooms a maid cleans in an eight-hour shift isn't really important in the home-sharing world. But my process knowledge of how do you get things done based upon understanding the underlying motivations of everyone at the table is something you learn as you get older because emotional intelligence is something that can grow with time. Does it also help when you think about the idea of collaboration within the workplace? Does it also help – Eventually, over time, that because we see more and more now companies uh, don't necessarily throw a project into the lap of one person. They want right. to throw it into the laps of, of an entire group. And yep. so if you have all of that different mindset, ages, thought process, et cetera, working together, it probably makes for a better, not only a better environment, but a better company in general. Uh, it totally, yeah, exactly, Dan. So, I mean, the idea that, especially in tech companies, people think, oh, it's a tech company. It's all, it's just all engineers, and it's, and yeah. it's, you know, it's almost like individual people in their cubicle doing their work. No, right. actually, it's full of teams, and teams to operate well need to collaborate. Google did a famous study two or three years ago called Project Aristotle, and found that the number one uh, uh, common factor among successful and effective teams was psychological safety, people feeling like they could collaborate well and without any kind of retribution. And so I think the idea that um, we, as we get older, are able to be better collaborators because we have more emotional intelligence is pretty well um, uh, empirically proven. Now, again, there are individuals where that does not make this, you know, make sense, but for uh, as, a, as a group, it does. And so I think that's pretty important. I also think that the idea that we're going to live in a world where collaboration is going to actually somehow diminish with time, no, I actually think it's going to probably get, actually get more important. Um, and so those collaborative skills are a really important thing that uh, someone in midlife or later uh, can bring to the table. And there's no doubt that cognitive diversity is hugely valuable on teams. Right. And if you just have a bunch of 25-year-old guys on a team together, they're going to compete with each other, and they're actually going to try to like one-up each other to see who's the smartest. But you put a couple women on that group or people of color or um, some older people, and this is one of the weird parts, is like when we think of diversity, we often think almost exclusively to gender, race, uh, maybe sexual orientation. We don't think about age very often. 
even though, sure. frankly, age is one of the most obvious uh, demographic changes that we see out there in the world. The world is getting older, and yet we don't think of age as being a diverse uh, diversity demographic that we think about around the question of diversity and inclusion. Probably in part because uh, maybe there is an assumption out there that in this digital age that younger knows more than older, correct? That, absolutely. And, I, and this is the part that's so uh, beautiful. You're exactly right. The, and again, not we're talking – Pure generalities here. Yeah. Younger people who have di- are digital natives and have a digital fluency that may be greater than someone 30 years, 25 years older than them, that is true. But to think that someone's ex- acuity and fluency on one particular part of the, of, of the scope of work that they need to have, which is technical skills, is, is worth, therefore, the fact that they – or can, they can apply that to anything else, is forgetting about all the human element of business, which requires a certain amount of collaboration and emotional intelligence, and in some cases, as you, you know, grow, leadership skills. And so yeah. I do believe with Brian Chesky, who is CEO and is an amazing CEO, but when I joined, he was 31 and I was 52, and I was his mentor, and he was, and he was my boss. And that was a fascinating relationship <laughs> to be mentoring my boss. And, um, but five and a half years later, I'm still here. How long do you think you want to continue with it? You know, I, 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 I've been – I think that I, ta- I had a conversation recently with one of the best uh, executive recruiters in the world. And I was asking her about the fact that I, have, I talk to more and more people in midlife who feel like they have to fake their – you know, what, what year they graduated from their alma mater in college <laughs> because people can figure out their age. Right. And what she said to me was fascinating, and it relates to how I feel about my, my time here at Airbnb. She said, if you feel – if you're curious – and you're passionately engaged in what you do, your wrinkles seem to fade away. And what she meant by that is in an interview, um, people will actually start to, uh, many people, not everybody, but many people will start to um, be less fixated on your demographic, whether it's age, gender, race, whatever, when you're curious and passionately engaged in what you do, especially if you're older, because there's a sense, uh, there's a bit of a stereotype that when you get older, you get set in your ways, you're no longer curious, and you're sort of like, uh, you know, maybe a little bored with life. Well, I'm none of those things. (laughs) So I love the fact that at at 58, in a company where the average age is about 26 or 27, I am an elder. And, you know, even the word elder was hard for me to, you know, digest (laughs) at first because it sounds like elderly. Right. But the truth is, in someone who's – there's a big difference between an elder and an elderly. Elderly is generally what happens late in your life. Today, it's mostly people 80 and older. And you might be in an elderly status at that point. But between 40 and 80, in Silicon Valley at least, I'm an elder. Because if I'm, frankly, a different generation, or in, in this case, two generations older than the average person here, yeah. I'm a boomer and they're a millennial, then I am in an elder status. So I think elder is a relative term. You can be a 40-year-old and be an elder if you're surrounded by 25-year-olds. Yeah, to a degree, I think you've taken that word, or, or people have taken that word, uh, and they forget to a degree, the religious context of the word elder, when you think of the church, people who are elders in the church are not necessarily elderly. They are just the people that are are considered to be the leaders of the church. And and that's, I think, an important distinction. It is an important distinction, but the big difference, as I mentioned earlier, is that I think the elder in the church or the elder in society of the past, what really had an almost an obligatory 
reverence paid to them. Okay. And to me, it's that relevance. It's not the reverence, it's the relevance. And the relevance comes from being as much of an intern as a mentor. And, um, you know, that I was the curious, sometimes dumbest person in the room when it came to technology questions. Uh, and so I was willing to intern publicly, right. but I ended up mentoring privately. And there's been over 100 employees within Airbnb who I've been a mentor to, but their relationship was, was often a very much of a mutual mentorship. So that's why you have a chapter in the book titled, Am I a Mentor? Yes. Mentor would be a combination of mentor and intern. But to, to be honest, Dan, when I joined the company, no one had ever told me that that was a possibility in life. Is right. You could be both... Uh, the mentor and intern. And funny, relative to the movie The Intern with Robert De Niro, he came in at 70 years old as the intern to the CEO, Anne yep. Hathaway. Yep. Weirdly, I came in as the mentor to Brian Chesky, but I, I became the, I was the mentor, but turned into an intern as well, whereas Robert De Niro came in as an intern, but he really ended up becoming the mentor to Anne Hathaway. So I think that the point of all this is to say, that the hierarchy of the past that says that wisdom, the physics of wisdom only flows from old to young, doesn't make sense anymore. This, the, the physics of wisdom moves in both directions, from young to old and from old to young. It just depends on the subject matter. And what we need to learn is how do we riff together and, and become sort of in, do sort of intergenerational improv a little bit such that we have the ability to mutually mentor each other. And, and so then what do you think then ends up being the impact? And we assume that, that this will continue and get, probably get stronger as we move on uh, over the next few years. Not necessarily what's the impact on individual companies, but the impact on people of that generation, but also uh, to a degree, a little bit of the economy and the fact that you're you're now in a time where you have more people working later in life and seemingly flourishing at doing it. Yeah. Well, we have an unemployment rate below 4%, so, and we have an immigration policy that's actually gotten tighter. So that means we have to look for new employees somehow. And whether it's people later in life who decide to go back after retiring, go back to work, or a woman who has taken – or a man, but often it's a woman who's taken 20 years off from the workplace because she actually was – uh, to, you know, bringing up the kids, yeah. and now she wants to get back in the workplace. Yes, we want that person back in the workplace. You know, frankly, being a mom or a dad and being a stay-at-home person it means you're juggling a lot, and that's frankly what you do in business or in organizations as well. So. Um, I do think that there's going to be that. I think that this, we're sort of on the cutting edge of this, and I think there's great examples of leaders who, if they'd had a modern elder by their side, might still have their job. You know, case study number one is Travis Kalanick at Uber. Yeah, and yeah. Uber and Airbnb have been compared an awful lot. Um, and on occasion, people have said, gosh, if Travis had had someone in-house in that sort of modern elder role next to him, he might have been able to mature his leadership uh, approach a lot faster, and he might still have that job. Could you even throw Elon Musk in that category? You know, Elon, frankly, interestingly enough, is an you know he's I think he's forty seven years old. He is, old, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. So yeah. He's, I you know I could he use someone like that? Sure. Yeah. Um, but he's you know he's relatively far along in terms of his his career. You know, he's a bit of a genius. I I, I think. Um, 
I think, frankly, the the thing we have to sort of put to rest is the idea that singular geniuses um, do this alone. Uh, it, it's yeah. always, it, there's always more than one person involved. And the question is, how, who are you surrounding yourself with? And the, the answer to me is you should be surrounding yourself with a d- diverse group of people, including some people who have some seasoned wisdom um, at the table. The singular, uh, the singular genius also gets, at times, thrown out the window, especially, as I said before, with companies thinking that we want to have teams more and more of building projects out. And, and if you have that, then maybe that takes a little bit of the ease away from, you know, that one person having to kind of shoulder the load a good bet. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, the idea that teams are the future, I, I think it's pretty it, – there's so, there's so many great books out uh, that really speak to this idea that I think it's uh, – companies and investors of companies are going to be, be more and more focused on that. Great having you with us today, Chip. Fantastic book. Love talking with you. Appreciate it, Dan. Uh, now I'm going to have breakfast. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Enjoy it. Whether it's an egg, a waffle, whatever it is, have, have fun with it. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks. Chip Connolly. The book is Wisdom at Work, The Making of the Modern Elder. Many thanks to Chip for joining us on the show. The book, by the way, is available in bookstores and online right now by Currency. Uh, is the publisher of the book. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.